Welcome to another Innovation Forum podcast with me, Ian Welsh. Joining me today is Eduardo Rojas Brialis, who is a board member of PEFC International and also Professor of Forestry at the Polytechnic University of Valencia and Chair of the Spanish Chartered Foresters. Welcome to the podcast, Eduardo. Thank you, and a pleasure to be with you today. We're going to be talking a little bit about regenerative forestry and reflecting on some of the conversations from the Innovation Forum Sustainable Apparel and Textiles Conference, which we held recently. Sustainably managed forestry is in many senses a regenerative sector already, given the actions of continuous growth and replenishment. So how do you characterize the use of the term regenerative, given it's the latest sustainability buzzword? We have in the different sectors that are able to supply renewable fibers instead of petrol-based plastics, we have different sources. We have the source of wood and the forest product like viscose and and new emerging uh, products that are coming. They are the source from plants, basically cotton and lining. And you have as well, of course, of animals, the case of wool. The different activities, even if they are land-based, like agriculture, grazing, or forestry, are very different. The big difference in forestry is it is a perpetual business that you never can deforest. You should never deforest a forest. You should keep the forest and improve the soil and keep it on perpetuity. In fact, the concept of sustainability is the starting point of forestry in the 18th century, then was enlarged by Brundtland to the overall concept of proof in Rio. So there are differences in the three activities. And in the case of forestry, you never has a disruption. Normally, in annual crops, you crop and you plant the next year, eventually a different crop, and there is always a discontinuity. And what the regenerative approach in agriculture tries is to ensure that the soil and the ecosystem is not hampered. In the case of forest, you always preserve the forest. It's the basic of the business. You only fell whatever has grown in a given period, and you keep the capital standing. So in that sense, forestry is, by definition, not only regenerative, it is perpetual business. Of course, if you start forestry, like UK started 100 years ago, like Israel or Korea started in the 50s, like many Mediterranean countries started about also 100 years ago by replanting many of the degraded forests or the lost forests, you have a regenerative moment. But many of the forests that we have today, be in Russia, in Scandinavia, or in the tropics, never were really deforested. So this regenerative moment happens in the cases we have lost forests, but in many cases we have preserved them over time most likely because there were not lots of humans around. So just this introduction, you know, to make understand that the approaches, also the professions behind and the sciences behind have different approaches, but all of them come together in this context to preserve the ecosystem, to preserve the soil, and to ensure that your capital is never lost. In the case of forest, the capital is not only the soil, but as well the standing trees that will hold on long and you will just fell those who have reached to their maturity. Given all of that then, what's the potential for the forestry sector to provide regenerative fibre for the apparel sector, which we were talking about recently, at scale? And what are the barriers to this? There are huge potentials, but of course there are some barriers. First, forest resources need to be accessible. And we have a part of the forest, like in deep uh, Siberia, that are not accessible in certain areas. There is also regarding preservation of biodiversity and other environmental services like watershed, different approaches. Some people think that the best is not to touch forests. Others think that it's better to manage forests. There are issues regarding to climate change. If certain scenarios are reached of climate change, then we may have a degradation of forests. We have other perturbations like wind, big snows, but very especially insects, outbreaks, invasive insects. So there are issues also regarding to tenure. 80% of the world's forests are in the state hands, but we have a strong scientific evidence, especially in the tropics where local-based forest management shows to be much more resilient 
and less deforestation. So we have to progressively recognize these communities and empower them, and they are able to manage the forest. So we need also a consistent governance and also the inclusion of the forest sector into the rest of the economy. Very few forests are insured, for example, or have access to capital market and also to market. So, and of course, the wood or the bamboo, bamboo can be also used for textiles, can be used for different uses from burning, which is a single shoot use to textiles, to construction and to pulp and paper and other uses. So in that sense, there needs to be a balance between the different uses. Of course, due to climate change, those uses that have a higher substitution factor are more interesting and have a long-term duration like construction. And then it depends also of the evolution of the technological development and research that will classify which woods are the best for given use. For example, for viscose, basically beech wood, which is very typical in the temperate area of Europe, is basically used. But there are other uses that need different kinds of wood, for example, construction conifers. So all the tendency to find new fibers that are able to substitute the growing demand of textiles and especially the petrol-based textiles will at the end through research show which kind of fiber, be wood, be bamboo or whoever, and which species are the best located and then where the resources are and trying to find a reasonable balance between the different uses. But there is important resources existing. There is a huge momentum for restoration. And in this restoration, it's very important to you know upfront which may be the best wood species that will be demanded by the textile industry. That by certain publications, there is one of Climate Kick together with Nature Conservancy, where the textile use is seen as the one that has the highest substitution potential, not the longest duration that is construction. So this would be the two, one building and textile that should be prioritized due to their strong climate benefit. Let's talk about that a little bit. Obviously, there is a significant microplastics risk from apparel. That's something we've been talking about, the risk from microplastics when apparel containing petroleum-based fibres are washed, microplastics are developed and then are inevitably find their way into the ocean. So do you think that being able to counter that is a massive potential area of growth for the forestry sector? Sure, but also for all kinds of vegetable-based and even animal-based fibres, because everything that is done from a natural fibre is first renewable, uh, doesn't emit practically CO2 if, if it is properly managed, and very special the fibers are recyclable and they don't generate any kind of problems like the microplastic because the fiber is a natural fiber that the end has a cycle where it rots naturally. In that sense, it's very important that through research, we are able to find different alternatives, be recovering the wool use because there's a big amount of wool that today is not unused, this is absurd, and to find new crops, not only cotton, and ensure the biggest renewable natural fiber that we have today is wood. And there's a big growth potential in the tropics also with bamboo that is very fast growing, that can restore slopes that are in very poor conditions, erodible and so on. And these two elements, wood from trees and bamboo, can, through the identification of new textiles, be able to avoid the use of petrol that is negative because we exhaust petrol, that emissions emit CO2, but very especially that the recycling, that with a difficult recycling and, and with a distribution of microplastic that at the end hampers our waters and very especially the oceans. So definitely potential there. What about potential from the forestry sector to help companies in other sectors meet their net zero targets? Something that everybody's talking about at the moment every week, more and more big companies have net zero targets and net zero pledges. So what's the potential for the forestry sector to help 
obviously through offsetting programs and also the restoration and regeneration that we've been talking about? There are several parts. The first part is for sure a substantive supply of fibre that can avoid the use of petrol-based fibres. This is the most important a second one, for sure, is joint models. I commented at the beginning that the logic of agriculture, of grazing, and of forest is different. But we have, and very especially in the tropics, we have a lot of joint system of land use that have proven both socially and environmentally very interesting, be agroforestry or silvopastoral systems. And in mixture, we can bring the best of both and tailor them. They're big examples of small-scale models, but they can be also more commercial agricultural models that can pump nutrients from the bottom by trees that can provide wood and not also crops or animal products. This combination is a big asset and a high potential, especially to ensure these regenerative agriculture achievements. And other third option is, of course, there will be always certain CO2 emissions, basically based on transport and, and machinery and so on. A part of the energy can be provided by electricity, but not all. So these remaining emissions can be compensated either by a recovery of degraded forests. Let's see, many areas of Africa basically have degraded forests. They can be improved and put in better shape, and this would sequester important amount of carbon. And we can also do reforestations before the sake of environment alone or mixed multifunctional forests as we have basically all around Europe or the east of North America, where we will do everything. Carbon sequestration, biodiversity, social services, but as well wood supply or in the tropics, bamboo supply that would allow on the long term to have more products, more renewable products, but it will, by the single shoot uh, sequestration of the first generation of forests have important offset potential. And these three uh, contributions are crucial. It depends on the area, which may be the most important. In the middle of the Amazon, surely not deforestation, or in the middle of the, of the Congo Basin, but in certain areas, the degraded forest, and in others, of course, the supply of more renewable fiber, vegetable fiber that is able to substitute both today's important plastic or petrol-based fiber, but more important than that, the expected huge growth of demand due to the emerging economies in the global south, that without a growing supply of plant fiber would at the end be filled by the petrol-based fibers. It seems to me it's a very complex area. I mean, thinking about the offsetting of emissions from transportation and others, and then ensuring that these are being met, that the carbon balance is correct, it is extremely complex. So is this, in fact, where certification actually comes into its own? Because it does give that level of certainty and transparency around the offsetting. As we know, certification has been criticised. There was a recent report from Greenpeace, for example. But is it in this area of certainty around the complex offsetting of emissions? Maybe this is where certification can really come into its own. Yes, but for sure we will need to build more consistent certification models. What we have had uh, since the 90s, very strongly demanded by the ENGOs, was ensuring that forest management in existing forests was sustainable. And I think this is achieved. And there are two basic global systems. There were many others, but they converged into two. And this is ensured and it's applied basically bottom-up, but also top-down mixture of standards that is highly recognized. Also, the companies that do really the work on the field. So I think the system is consistent for ensuring that the wood, the bamboo, whatever other forest product, cork, even hunting may be sustainable. And this is ensured and I don't think it's very serious to put it in doubt. What we need to do for sure in order to move in what you are commenting is to ensure that we get further certification, further certification efforts 
around, for example, the offsetting through afforestations, the offsetting through restoration of degraded forests, and of course, in the area of plant fiber for textiles and other areas, and to have the full chain covered and more consistent model, not just looking at a single element, and for sure also certification systems that provide um, consistent calculation, what are these remaining emissions that are in the industrial process and in the trade process, in all the value chain, once the product, the fiber comes into the companies, how in all the value chain until it reaches the consumer, despite all the efforts to reduce emission, how big these emissions are and the instruments to offset. You can have the offsetting quite solid in the forest with a planting or restoration of degraded forest, but the amount you have to offset needs to be also consistently measured, which is outside, let's say, of the primary sector agriculture forest. It is happening in the industrial process on the transportation until it reaches the consumer. Well, it's a fascinating area and it's clear that forestry is going to have a big role to play in the road to net zero for, for many businesses and for us all. It's certainly going to be fascinating how it all evolves. But for now, Eduardo Rojas Rialis from PFC International, thank you very much indeed. You're welcome. <laughs>